If you're interested in small business, you're going to want to subscribe to the Small Business Showcase by Kaizentree. We meet with small business owners every week to discuss lessons that you can apply in your own journey. Learn from their failures, successes, and stories to discover how to build a life doing what you love. For those of you who already have a small business, be sure to check out kaizentree.com, an online platform that helps manage your inventory, sales channels, customer relationships, and more. Hi, welcome back to the Kaizen Tree Podcast. Today we are joined by Christina Appleton. How are you doing, Christina? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, Christina, for viewers, could you tell us a little bit more about your company first, please? Yeah, I'm founder and CEO of Appleton's Market. Uh, we are the creators of what I call the world's most perfect mini meal. We are based in Southern California and source all of our ingredients locally. Uh, we have a frozen product that's made with fresh veggies, cage-free eggs, quinoa, and uh, chickpea flour. Uh, and they come in a handy-dandy little steamer pack that you pop into the microwave for a minute, and then you have a wonderful warm meal uh, in about the same amount of time that it takes you to eat a power bar. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So all of these ingredients are put together in one packet and yes. when go in the microwave and oh wow. Yeah, it's like a five five inch or uh, 330 millimeter for those folks <laughs> who are not on the Imperial system um, square. Uh, and the product itself is inside of it. Uh, if you flip it over, there is a steaming vent on the backside. Mm -hmm. And so you just put it in your microwave um, face side down and then you just hit one minute on your microwave and it steams in this bag. We steam it commercially. So they're already uh, steamed at our facility. They're frozen, mm -hmm. quick frozen, and then we ship them up to folks or to stores frozen, and then you keep them in your freezer for up to a year. Uh, so it's super convenient, uh, and it's a, a great way to get all the nutrients that you want from a meal. So we've got a good source of protein, we've got fiber, we've got veggies, um, but without having to actually do any effort. Oh, that's that's impressive. Um, I'm, I'm thinking... Um... You know, when we have um, orange juice or something like this, we often say that as soon as you press the, the fruit, you start losing a bit of its uh, nutrients as soon as you transform it. Is there, is there any, do you have any loss in over time or, or do you have any loss compared to the real, not real, sorry, but the, uh, the, the product that you would find in a market that is not in the bag? Yeah, so we actually, I mean, depending on how quick you are <laughs> with when you buy your your produce, your fresh produce and you cook it. Um, you know, we're buying directly from the source uh, and then we're producing within a day or two. Um, so the product is very fresh when we make it. Uh, like I said, we quick freeze everything. So the instant that you freeze something, you're locking in the nutrients. Over time, there's a tiny bit of deterioration. If you have it in your freezer for a year, it's going to have a little bit less, you know, nutrient density than it had at the beginning. But um, if you keep it you know, at a typical frozen temperature, you don't let it thaw out. Uh, there really isn't a lot of loss in terms of nutritional value. Um, and you obviously get a lot of, a lot of ease. I, I worked at um, General Mills before this kind of a, a while ago anyway, and I worked on the green giant vegetable business. And so I learned a lot about farming <laughs> with vegetables and, you know, picking it right away and you start, you can it or you freeze it right away. And that's um, really the best way to lock in the nutrients. You're better off buying something frozen um, than, let's say buying a head of broccoli and leaving it in your fridge for three weeks. Um, you're probably going to lose more nutrients that way than you would be having something frozen. Oh, that's, that's amazing because for people that cannot see, it's really, and is it, is it, could it replace a full meal? 
Yeah. So I, depending on what I call it a mini meal, um, because for me, it replaces like a, oh, I skipped breakfast this morning, or I'm not going to make it till dinner. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I need something that's going to be protein, veggies, fiber, something that's going to fill me up and leave me satisfied um, without, you know, taking a bunch of time or derailing, like having a candy bar or something like that, where it's, you're going to have the sugar jump, but then you're going to have the crash. Um, I've definitely had people who have used just one for a meal. That's a pretty light meal. I think if you're using it as a full meal replacement, I'd probably say two. Um, but it really depends on kind of what, what your appetite level is at the time and kind of what you need to fill full as well. So if you have two, it's, 14 grams of protein, which is a lot of protein, uh, and it's four grams of fiber. So that's a fair amount of protein and fiber that would be equivalent to having a pretty, a pretty fulsome meal. I see. Oh, I'll definitely, I definitely recommend, and we'll put your, uh, your Instagram handle and, and website because that's, that's actually impressive. The square is really not that big. Uh, so like, uh, I actually work with a Chinese food manufacturer here in Southern mm -hmm. California and they have commercial steamers. So if you go and buy commercial bao or anything like that, they would come from a manufacturer like this. So there's just these huge carts and, and you can see on our Instagram, we have a few BTS postings. We're just these huge, you know, six, seven foot carts with just racks of them. And you just roll it right into a steamer. Um, and everything steams, which is also kind of the best way to produce vegetables to retain the most nutrients. I see. What 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 got you into this uh, the, this particular segment? Uh, yeah. So there's a long answer and a short answer. Uh, <laughs> the longer answer uh, is that I grew up in the grocery business. Uh, so my great grandparents, my grandparents, and my parents owned a grocery store called Appleton's Market, which is the name of the company. Um, so this was kind of my version of that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I started my career at General Mills working in brand management. So doing consumer packaged goods, working in food. Uh, I went to business school, came out to LA, worked in entertainment for a little bit, and then found myself in the startup world. Uh, and I really got into this idea of how do we create products that are going to make people's lives healthier, but at the same time, be easy, uh, which I think is a big challenge because we all know, hey, if I make a huge salad and that's going to be healthier for me, but that's a lot of work sometimes. Uh, and you're really not willing to do that. Uh, and so I knew I wanted to start my own business and was uh, consulting for other brands that are in the space and found just my own personal need. When I was running around from meeting to meeting, driving around LA, uh, I frequently had those instances where I needed something fast. I needed it to be healthy. I needed it to be filling. Um, but I didn't have the time to think about what I wanted. Uh, and I also didn't have the time to make something. And my choices were pretty limited. It was a, you know, like I said, protein bar. You can have a handful of sad almonds. You can call Postmates and wait an hour. Um, and none of those things were really meeting my needs. I was like, I want it to be warm. I want veggies. I want protein. All the stuff that I get from a meal that makes me feel good about what I'm eating. Uh, but I don't want it to be any more effort than that protein bar. Um, and I wasn't finding anything. So I decided to make something myself and uh, worked on a bunch of recipes in my own kitchen, worked with co-working spaces here in LA. So WeWorks, that kind of thing uh, with getting strangers' opinions of my products and ultimately came up with the the end product. We have three different flavors and um, it's been it's been a wild ride. We launched during uh, the quarantine lockdown, which was pretty strict here in Southern California, not not like 
China where you are, but uh, <laughs> but in general, pretty pretty strict for the U.S. Um, so I wasn't able to do any sampling for the first like year and a half of business, uh, which is a little tough when you're trying to to launch something that's totally new. Uh, but it's been a great learning experience and have have enjoyed a lot of it. Well, actually, talking about the the, the pandemic, I'd love to uh, get on this subject. Um, you said it was tough. So some some businesses say it helped them. Some businesses say it's it was hard. What was hard in it for you and, and how did you overcome that? Yeah. So one of the things that I was really excited about with launching this business was that I was like, this is for millennial, professional, working people. I'm going to get it to people during the day. So late morning, early afternoon, it's going to be you know, I'm, I have a ton of friends who work in the startup space, who work at Google, who work at Facebook. They all have big offices in LA. I'm going to get into all of these big offices. And that's how I'm going to launch this business and get awareness and get trial. Um, and so I had probably 20, 30 different offices of various sizes lined up. And, um, and then when I went to actually produce the product, then COVID happened right about the same time where things started to, to break down. So my my go-to-market strategy was pretty much scuttled. Uh, so I had to pivot. I'd always thought e-commerce was going to be a secondary channel for me. Um, and coming from Thrive Market and the e-commerce channel, I'm bullish on e-commerce in general. Um, but uh, one of the things I didn't have experience with was shipping frozen products via e-commerce. Uh, and at the same time as you know, all this stuff was going on with lockdowns, UPS, FedEx, USPS were having serious service problems of their own. Um, yeah. So my my worst example was I shipped a, a customer order. I'm here in Los Angeles. I shipped a customer order to Carson, California, which is about 30 miles south of here. It's uh, where, where the football team plays. Uh, and uh, it took five days. It took five days to go 30 miles. Um, and <laughs> obviously with a frozen product, that is not, it's disgusting when it shows up. Um, so it, it was a lot of bumps along the way. Uh, fortunately, the last like year, year and a half, I haven't had as many kind of service problems logistically, logistically but um, that was a big challenge, kind of figuring out how to get the product into people's hands, knowing that they couldn't sample, knowing that shipping things to people was tough. Uh, and, you know, a lot of grocery stores we're in lockdown and they're like, we're not taking on new brands. We're not taking on new products. We're just going to go with the tried and true. We're only getting half of what we want from our distributors. Like we're not going to try to bring on new things and add more to the mix. Um, so it was, uh, it was a tough time to be launching a frozen product, I'll say. Uh, but I mean, I think adversity uh, makes you get a little creative. And, and I think that's what happened to, to me during this time. Five, five, yeah, five days for 30 miles. That's, that's extreme. I, I, I have a few friends that were telling me how they, uh, they all ordered two years ago, maybe a couch or a fridge. Mm, yes. And it was supposed to arrive in one month and then free and then five. And then how about you use it as a credit to buy something else? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was, I was lucky in that I already had a house um, and I already had a sofa and I had all those things that everybody else had problems <laughs> with. Um, because it's, yeah, I've had friends, I had a friend who didn't have a refrigerator and she's like, how do you, I can't wait months without a refrigerator. Like that's, that's yeah. not, so she just went down to every appliance store and just said, what do you have on the floor that you can deliver? I don't even care what it is. Like, just give me something. <laughs> um, so, so I was very fortunate in that my like, creature comforts were, were not affected as how, much as other folks. How did you, how did you overcome it? Did you, did you choose another delivery system or are you still with uh, those two? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was getting really creative and it was saying, okay, what other businesses are popping up during this time that 
maybe I can partner with. So there was a business that came up here in LA that was working with Uber drivers um, and saying, okay, well, we're going to give them a cooler. And when they deliver Uber Eats deliveries, we're going to give them one of your products and a coupon. So I partnered with them and it was kind of looking for unique companies that were trying to do something new and kind of break the mold because of the restrictions that they knew everybody was having. Um, to get into a new space. I also, <laughs> I spearheaded this project, which I bit off a little bit more than I can chew uh, because I really wanted to sample the products. And so I was like, you know, there are companies out there um, like Social Nature and Sampler, which have brands, you pay these companies and they find you customers and then they send customers little vouchers. And then you go into a Whole Foods or Sprouts, whatever, and you buy their product. And and um, those are expensive, thousands and thousands of dollars to go in to get into that. And you have to actually be in the stores too, which I wasn't. So I was like, okay, how can we do this e-commerce? Like, how can I pair up with some other brands to mitigate some of the costs of sending something temperature sensitive um, and get samples directly into people's hands? And so I partnered with one of one of my friends in the space who has knows a guy who can who could pack up the boxes, store things refrigerated, ship them out with ice packs up in uh, Northern California. And I just reached out to my network and said, "Hey, who needs to ship things either refrigerated or frozen, and would like to be a part of this box? And if would we get enough of us that is in this box, then it won't cost as much to acquire every single customer that we have." Um, and it was an incredible amount of work to make that happen. It was a whole other full-time job to make that box happen. Um, but it was it was really impressive how many people were interested in it and how many people wanted it to happen. Um, and so I think if I had a whole other team of people, that maybe could have been another business I would have launched. Um, but but ultimately that was that was biting off a little more I could shoot, which I think is something every entrepreneur needs to learn uh, is their own limitations yeah. and uh, and when to kind of cut your losses and move on and say, this might be a great idea, but it's just, uh, it's just too much for me right now. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you, so you mentioned Appleton, uh, Appleton's market being in your family. Was it ever a platform that you considered selling your products on? So my parents actually sold the grocery store when I was in high school. Um, so oh, it wasn't, and it's, it was just like a small mom and pop store. It wasn't anything like a Kroger's or anything like that. Um, but okay. it did give me appreciation of the space and gave me a little bit of understanding about just what it's like to be a retailer. Um, when I started working at on the other side, on the brand side of, of the food business. Um, and I guess it's funny, I've, I've worked on both the brand side and the retail side a couple times now. Um, and so I feel like I have somewhat of an appreciation for both sides of that table. <laughs> Let me see. What, 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 what do you use? Because you mentioned a lot of them, the e-commerce. So what do you use as platforms? Um, so Shopify is, is the main site. Um, I absolutely mm -hmm. love Shopify and I hope that the shareholders get all of the founders get all the value. Like they have just created the most amazingly valuable product. I think top 10 inventions in e-commerce, I'd say in the last 10 years, because there are millions, if not, you know, more than that businesses that are only able to exist because of Shopify and because of what they've mm -hmm. made. Um, and they make it so easy and turnkey. And then there's the whole, you know, ecosystem of the folks who are developing apps around Shopify to say, oh, you have this problem. Let me fix it. Let's plug it in. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that having worked at a company that we had a whole huge dev team and that's how we built our website and that's how it had to. And you had to spend millions of dollars to do it. The fact that for you know, 30 to 80 bucks a month, you can 
run your own e-commerce store um, is just amazing. And I can't have, I can't say enough good things about Shopify. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, I mean, obviously I use social media like everybody else does, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all the usual suspects. Um, and then looking at, like I said, getting into some other things, we've looked at Reddit, we've looked at kind of some more atypical digital acquisition channels. Um, but it's always kind of figuring out what's, what's the next thing and what makes sense for our tar- target audience too. A lot of businesses that I interview or that I get on the podcast, they tell me um, that they have their, one of the biggest problems that they have is with inventory. Um, is this a problem that you've had in particular? or? Um... Yeah. So my challenge um, is a little bit different. So obviously you have to store all of your inventory uh, in a warehouse, but if it's frozen, it has to be a specialty warehouse that is just you know, frozen. It's for freezers. Obviously you're spending much more um, per pallet to store everything. It costs more to pick, to pack to everything because you have just a lot, a lot more requirements that come with frozen storage uh, than you do everywhere else. Um, with COVID, there was also a huge later labor shortage uh, in all of these places. Uh, and so the businesses themselves were less and less inclined to work with smaller brands like myself and wanted to kind of get just the big guys in where it's okay. These guys have a thousand pallets or whatever, something crazy. And that's just what I want to deal with. Um, so I got a notification in July. I think it was that my storage costs were going to go up 800%. Um, oh. and that I had one month to, to sort it out. Um, and it was pretty crazy. Uh, and it was all hands on deck. It kind of all of my friends, anybody who worked in the food space, do you know anything? Um, ultimately, one of my friends who has an ice cream business was able to help me out. And we were able to find a solution. Um, but that has really been logistics. Once we kind of got over the COVID hump with all the UPS, FedEx, all of that, um, that has been my biggest challenge is just storage and managing the storage costs and the costs of um, moving the product around. Uh, because again, frozen is very expensive to do all those things. Um, and there's also, you know, with inflation happening now, consumers are tightening their belts. And so while my costs are going up, the kind of willingness to pay is going down. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's just an interesting time to to be in the space and to, to figure out how do you build a brand and how do you um, create value for people? Uh, because that's really what everyone's looking for is, you know, how can I get the most bang for my buck? I see. I see. And with all these, with all these uh, hardship hurdles, with all these obstacles that you have, what what is something that you do personally or with your business that like allows you to? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm every weekend uh, we have a a standing two hour, 8am tennis uh, that my partner and I do. And during that time, it's a turn the phone off. Don't think about anything. Just focus, just do, just be, just enjoy that time. Um, and I think that that's really important to do. Um, because even when I've, I've gone on vacation and done things, I'm always checking my phone. I'm always doing things like I'm never, I'm never done. It's not like when I was a, a W2 employee before where it's, you know, you're on vacation, you're on vacation. You, you'll, you'll hear from me in, you know, 10 days. Um, and so I think having those times when you're saying, okay, these are a few hours that I'm just going to turn everything off and I'm just going to focus on something for me and something that kind of gives me a little bit of mental peace. Um, that's really been helpful for me. I see. And what um, what would you say is your next big move now? So the next big move for me is looking at, as you heard me kind of 
uh, I wouldn't say complain, but just point out all of the challenges of Frozen. <laughs> uh, for me, it's looking at, uh, we've been working on a new product that's not Frozen. So something that is a shelf-stable product that's not going to have you know the same challenges with storage, with distribution, um, with sampling. Uh, it'll be you know, still in the meal space and still something that's veggie forward and health forward. Um, but that's going to be a little bit better for my margins in terms of, of scaling it out. Actually, you just said frozen. I don't know why it just tilted right now, but I, I, I had to study this case of, of a company a few, uh, a few months ago. Um, and they've tried basically to get seaweed, kelp, mm -hmm. seaweed, and to turn it into like drinkable stuff. So smoothies, they would have a smoothie. Um, smoothie, and they would do it in frozen cubes, basically. And you would just add like milk or water and and and, and it would defreeze and you'd yeah. get a smoothie out of it. Is this something that you, you would find attractive? Not with seaweed, but is this something like doing as... Um, you know how there are these green juices. Uh, when whenever you're in New York, you see this uh, these green juices uh, shops everywhere. Would mm -hmm. this be something that you, you'd find interesting to go into or to try to figure out a good taste? So I would not launch another frozen product <laughs> myself personally. I actually did um, a consulting project with a, a smoothie cup company um, based here in LA, uh, and they do pretty well there in um, Costco's, and they're launching in um, I think CVS and, and a few other locations. So there mm -hmm. are a fair amount of those types of companies, um, at least that I know of here in California. Um, you know, they're still going to butt up against all of the, all the, the headwinds that you have with frozen. And, and just, like I said, with, with commodities costs going up and consumer belts tightening, uh, just making money in that space is very challenging. I see. Because you, because consumers don't see it as like essential. Well, it's just, if you think about it, if, if you look at warehousing costs alone, so like, let's say I'll just throw out some random numbers. Um, like for a pallet to store something that is ambient temperature, it's usually like 30 bucks per pallet. Um, for something that is frozen temperature, it's more like one, one fifty per pallet at least. Um, and then there are very intense minimums now that come with frozen where you have to have, you know, at least 20, 30 pallets per skew for them to even give you space in their, in their facility. Um, so just storage costs is, you know, three, four X. And then you look at, okay, logistics costs. My freight is also going to be three, four X, but a customer isn't willing to pay three or four times as much for a frozen product as they are for a shelf stable product, or mm -hmm. let's say even a refrigerated product. Um, oh, and so you have to kind of figure out how to charge the same price to the customer, but yet your costs are way higher. Um, I see. I and see. so it's, yeah, it's, it's challenging. I mean, there's some companies that have figured it out, that have figured out how to get a price premium in the space um, that are able to make money. Um, but until you get to a big scale, like a $20, $30 million business in Frozen, it's really, really difficult to make money, um, especially if you're selling in grocery stores. I see. I see. Um, there's one last thing that I, uh, I think can be noticed during our, our whole conversation is that uh, very often you talked about like the, the context that you've had, right? And how important. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because I know a lot of people personally, and I, I believe that it's a it's a pretty common um, thing to think is I want to start my business as soon as I get out of college, right? Or I want to start it in college. 
so that I can uh, I, I can I can I can have it as soon as I get out of as soon as I graduate. But it's interesting because when we listen to um, your story to your story, having worked in the industry for some time has allowed you to meet people, right? That mm -hmm. now make it so that you're able to find a situation when your costs are going to go eight hundred percent up. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah. able to find new people from mm -hmm. contacts that you've had previously. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, I, I was never one of those people that thought I was going to start a business when I was in college. I mean, I went to work at General Mills, which is, I don't know, 30,000 employees or something crazy. Um, there were, I think, I mean, no, there were hundreds of people that were in the job that I had. Um, so it was the opposite of starting your own business. But um, I will say a ton of those people that I worked with at General Mills have either gone on to start their own businesses or they are now, you know, C-level executives at startup companies uh, that are also in the space. Uh, so it's, you know, there's there's definitely benefits just because you're starting in a big corporate America doesn't mean that you're going to stay in big corporate America. Uh, but you do make a lot of contacts and and being here and, and working in, in the startup scene here in LA too has given me a lot of contact. Going to business school gave me a lot of contacts. And I think one of the other things um, that not a lot of people talk about is if you wait a little bit to start your business, I've been self-funding everything. And I'm in mm -hmm. a position that I can do that because I'm not fresh out of college. Um, so I've I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, earlier in their career and they have to find outside funding right away. They have to, you know, sell their idea, sell themselves, sell whatever it may be, um, because they, you know, they got to pay rent. Like it's just the, 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 the kind of life things that happen. Um, if you're a little bit further along in your career, you have a little bit more space to, to try some things out, to give yourself some time to test things out. Um, and to figure out exactly how you want to capitalize your business. You know, is it going to be self-funding? Are you going to get investors? Are you going to do friends and family? Um, it, it just, you have a little bit more flexibility in that too, which um, for me was very helpful uh, because I, uh, it's very easy to get stressed out as a founder and an entrepreneur. And I knew for me, bringing in investors really early was going to be, you know, where I would be focusing a lot of my time. And that's not mm -hmm. where I wanted to spend it. Um, and so I, I was fortunate in that I was able to, to kind of self-fund, uh, up to this point. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. And I think, I think we're done here, but thank you very much, uh, for coming on it. It's, it, it, it's been very interesting and I, I really do recommend people to go look at your product because that's, that's really amazing actually. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was great. No, it was great having you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Showcase. If you liked the episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. The discussion continues online. Head over to kaizentree.com slash articles to share your thoughts on today's show and to read some of our articles which cover useful topics such as what to do about Apple's new iOS update. For more from Kaizentree, follow our Instagram at kaizentree or visit our website, www.kaizentree.com. That's www.kaizentree.com.